This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. We're so thankful you joined us today. And um, I want to say, I've said it already this year, but I want to say it again. Thank you so much to our worship team for leaning in this year in all different ways, whether we were in person, we started in person, to going online, to small spaces, to medium spaces, somewhat larger spaces, to pre-recording, to live, and then uh, just you've just been stuck with us. So thank you, worship team, those that are here and those that are watching today, and then our production team, led by the brilliant Brad Berry, the, the Brad Mad Scientist. We want to thank our production team, again, for sticking with us all year in every venue. I just want to thank you. Uh, we have a brilliant team, and we're so thankful, and we're glad you've joined us today. And we're so thankful for our church. Uh, do us a favor, if you're watching today on YouTube, on Facebook, just say hi in the comments. We just love to know that you are there. You get to see us, and that's our way of getting to see you. Just drop a thumbs up, a snow emoji, a snowman, something, a Santa emoji. Just let us know you are there. Uh, and then we've also known in this season our church has grown to be more than just Halifax in person. We get comments and we get emails from all over the world, but especially in Canada from the West Coast, right through the prairies. We, we see you prairies. We see you Saskatchewan and Alberta. We're so thankful that you're tuning in in Manitoba. Uh, so thankful and all through uh, Central Canada, out to the east, all over. Uh, thank you for joining us. And it's one of the blessings of a challenging year is that we get to connect with more people. So we're really glad you've joined us all over the world and in our country today. We're in a series called Uncertain Christmas. And I think it's the perfect title and a perfect series to finish off an uncertain year. Every email I think I've read this year is in these uncertain times. And I would just, I would kill for precedent at times. I would kill for certain times. But it's uncertain Christmas. The scripture speaks to it in this Advent series that we're in an Advent is going back through uh, the arrival of Christ the first time and, and learning lessons, seeing how God's people prepared themselves, how God worked in preparing them for his arrival. And we learn from that as we get ready for the next Advent, which is the second coming, the arrival of Christ, as he comes back preparing our hearts and God preparing us so we can be ready in this season. And today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is my my last sermon for this year. I want you to write down this title somewhere. My God. Look at, look at someone. If you're with, watching this with somebody today, look at them and go, my God. You can roll your eyes if you want to. You can channel that inner teenager in you. Just, my God. Just that today I just want to talk on that title, My God. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for those that are tuning in right now on this Sunday morning from all over the world and those that may be watching it later on. God, we thank you for your presence Thank you that you're with us. Father, I think of all the prayer requests that came in this week. I think of the dozens and dozens that came in. God, we lift up every prayer request. As we continue to pray all week, we pray for physical healings. We pray for relationship healings. We pray for uh, mental health. We pray for physical health. We pray for financial health. We pray for relationships to be restored. God, we pray you would make a way where there seems to be no way in our own selves, that God, you will make a way. So today, Father, our faith is strong. Our hopes are high, and our, our hearts are towards you. So, God, do what you can. And I pray these next few minutes, God, that you would stir us. You would convict us and encourage us. 
And Father, thank you for those that are joining. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Uh, Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm fully in the Christmas spirit. We're just a few days away from Christmas, and I hope we got some snow this last week and going into the weekend, and that helped a lot. And as we're going through this series on certain Christmas, I'm reminded that there is a tension in this Christmas story. And I heard one preacher say that effective preaching is always finding the tension in the text. Because in life, I've realized that most of life is navigating tension, isn't it? Relationships, direction, finances, there's always that tension of navigating. And that's what I love with the Bible. It's more than a history book. It's more than a book of poetry. It's more than philosophy. It's more than um, archaeology. It's a book of God writing a love story, of navigating the tension of us falling in our sin and his rescue plan. And he speaks to the tensions of life. And there's this tension in the Christmas story that a child was born, please don't miss this, that a child was born, but a savior must be chosen. See, the child was born. We can't, you can't refute that fact. Jesus was born. A child was born. But there's a choice in there whether you're going to choose him to be your savior. A child was born, but a savior must be chosen. My God, is he your God today? We have to decide for ourselves, is he my God? The child was born, but it's up for you and for me to choose if he is my God. A savior was only chosen when it's realized that one needs to be saved. I hear this a lot, saved from what? See, a, a savior can only be chosen when you realize you actually need to be saved. I, I think of it like this. It's, it's, a surgeon is only wanted when a surgeon is needed. I, I think it's the thing of nightmares to wake up out of a sleep and to be on an operating table. I've seen those movies. I don't know if you've seen those when someone's like half awake, but they, they, they either kidnap them or there's a mistake somewhere and they're underneath, underneath uh, and, and they're, they're put asleep and they wake up and they're being operated on. And that would be like the worst case. That's a nightmare, right? If I, if I said tomorrow, hey, you got an appointment with the surgeon, you got, you're going to the hospital tomorrow, you're going to have surgery, like, whoa, whoa, that would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? If you just got a call, hey, we're taking you to the hospital, an ambulance showed up, took you into the hospital, you'd be fighting the whole way. As they were trying to put you to sleep with the mask or the intravenous, you'd be fighting it going, let me out. That would be a nightmare. But if you knew there's something wrong with your body, there was a disease or something was breaking down, and you knew if you didn't get surgery, you weren't going to make it, you would, they would have to fight to keep you away from that surgeon. And a surgeon's only wanted when a surgeon is needed. And you need to know today that a savior is only wanted when a savior is needed. And the tension in this story is that some of the world knew they needed a savior, and some didn't think they needed to be saved at all. And that tension is still with us today. A child was born, but a savior must be chosen. My God, we need a savior today. We are so far from God in ourselves. We can't, can't get ourselves close to God. And if you're watching this today, Many of us have, have already wrestled this question and come to the need that we need a savior, that money can't save you, that nothing fulfills relationships, no, no, no substance, no, no sex, no drug, no achievement, no status, no income can fill that void that only having a relationship with God is. We were ripped away because of our sin and our choices from God. We separate ourselves. Nothing completes us like coming back to God, which is only possible through a Savior. We need to be saved. And when you realize you need to be a saved, he goes from being a baby in a manger 
to a savior that you choose and becomes your God and my God today. Help sent must be help received. I think about scripture in this story of Christmas that some of them chose the savior. I think about Mary and Joseph, they chose a savior. The wise men, they chose a savior. The shepherds chose a savior. Even the disciples, 30-something years later, when Jesus walked up and said, hey, follow me, they chose a savior. But then at the same time, there are those that rejected the savior. A child was born, but he wasn't their God. Herod the king, we read the story, rejected and was threatened by God, and he rejected the savior. Later on in scripture, many times Jesus would walk up to people and say, follow me. There's one, this, this, this young influencer who had lots of money. The Bible calls him a rich young ruler. He was an influencer of his day. And he, Jesus said, follow me, and he walked away. And there's this tension then and there's this tension now. If a child is born, but we must choose if he's our God. 2020 has been a challenging year, hasn't it? Here's the thought I want to challenge you with today. I want this to just kind of, I want you to ponder on this and, and let this marinate is this, is that a life of faith, I was thinking about that this week, a life of faith is a life of uncertainty. We talk about faith, we want faith, faith, hope, and love. We, we talk about a life of faith, we talk about coming to faith, but a life of faith is embracing a life of uncertainty. This uncertain Christmas, this uncertain times, uh, it's the uncertainty that draws us close to God. Comfort is the idol of our culture, isn't it? Isn't that the truth? We value things based on how comfortable they make our lives. We, 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 we value cars based on how comfortable they are. Oh, that car is so comfortable. It's got those heated seats. It's got those heated steering wheels. We talk about the, the features on a car. Very rarely do we go into the transmission or the engine. When we're buying cars, it's, man, I like how comfortable this car will make my life, even phones. Now we got these phones. You, you, you're probably the same as me. Maybe you just, your face unlocks your phone. I was just thinking about this. Like the other day I was at the, I was at, I was at the superstore at the market and I have your mask on, right? And your face ID. And I get so annoyed when my face won't unlock my phone. Are you, am I the only one? Like it's, I'm just frustrated. Cause you can't pull down your mask. What do you do? You, you, you're trying to pay for something with your phone. You pull your face away and you pull down your mask. Like you're committing a crime. Like, like someone's going to arrest you for, you pull down your mask, unlock your phone because God forbid I have to put in a four digit code, right? Remember when we first had a phone, it had the buttons and then it went to the screen and we had to put in the code. And then we went to the fingerprint because that was easier, that more comfortable. And now we're face because, you know, we don't want to actually have to lift our fingers and remember a four-digit code. And our phones get more valuable and more expensive and more uh, desirable based on how comfortable they make our life. Comfort is the idol of our culture. But a life of faith is embracing uncertainty. This uncertain, uncomfortable moments in Scripture in this Christmas story. When we were reading the story as we were preparing this uh, series, Uncertain Christmas, we read it through the lens of how uncertain this story is. If you read this lens through not knowing what's going to happen, we know the story, but if you go through this and the characters involved, how uncertain this was. And these heroes of the faith, they embraced the uncertainty of their time. Mary and Joseph. Mary, this young teenage girl, some say she was, 
you know, between 12 and 15 years of age. An angel comes to her and says, Mary, you're prego. That's the, the mic translation. He's like, there's a bun in the oven. <laughs> Mary, Mary, you're going to give birth. You are with child. And if you read the text, what she's saying is, at first she goes, I'm uncomfortable with this idea. Can you imagine now someone walks up to you and going, by the way, I'm pregnant, starting to show, and who's the father? God. <laughs> God made me pregnant. We would find that crazy now. But to go back 2,000 years, not only was it crazy, but it was shameful, and there was all this mixed in. And Mary, in the middle of going, wait, wait, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pregnant by God. I'm going to have to carry a baby. I'm uncomfortable with that. You think about the discomfort and the uncertainty that Mary signed up for. What about Joseph? In Matthew chapter 2, it says that when he heard Mary was pregnant and she told him it was God, he didn't really believe her. He thought, okay, I'm not the father, and I know we haven't been together sexually. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't been, I don't know Mary that way, and she's pregnant. And it said he was, trying, he was uncomfortable with the situation. He was trying to find a way to let her down easy. He was going to put her away somewhere quiet and safe and break off the engagement and just dip and just walk away. He was just going to peace out. He was uncomfortable with the idea of people thinking that they slept together before they were married. Uncomfortable with the idea that she's claiming God was involved. So he was an honorable man, but he was saying is, I'm uncertain about this, and I'm uncomfortable. But he embraced the uncertainty. I think about the wise men. We don't know much about the wise men. There was more than three. We know that. They show up two years after Jesus' birth, and scholars say that they probably came from around Babylon area, which is modern-day Iraq or Iran. And scholars say that they were probably reading the ancient teachings of Daniel and his letters, and through there they would have heard these prophecies. And it's a guess at best, but they said that they would have read these teachings and then saw a star and navigated the signs. And for years, there was more than just a few of them. There were so many of them. In fact, when they showed up, the king, King Herod, thought it was an invading army. So these men, these rulers, these scholars, navigated for years through the deserts, through the plains, with this entourage, trying to figure out feeding people and water and navigation and, and, and trying to navigate it based on stars. My son, Josh, when he was just in elementary school, he had this project called the Moon Project. In our family, we have scars, emotional scars from this project. And everybody in this project had to take the location of the moon every single night for 30 days and plot its, its course over the sky. Do you know how hard it is to find the moon in Nova Scotia? Do you know how cloudy Nova Scotia get? There were days where we couldn't find the moon. We'd come home at night, and my son would be in near tears out in the yard looking around trying to find the moon. We couldn't find the moon. My wife's like, Mike, find the moon. I can't find the moon. We're emailing friends. I downloaded apps trying to track the moon. We pretty much mailed in that project. We guessed at that. We got an A on that project, thanks to Google and that app. But you know how hard it is to find the moon? Let alone a star over years when you have hundreds of people following you with livestock and people trying to feed them and keep them watered and navigation. And these wise men embraced a life of discomfort and uncertainty because they felt like God was growing something in them. I even think about Joseph and Mary. They had the baby, and then it says that an angel said, you have to flee to Egypt because the king is going to kill all the boys. Now, I don't know about you, but me, if I had just seen my wife give birth to God, I had seen shepherds 
If I had seen angels and shepherds coming and, and these rulers, an army of rulers, give us all these riches and come from foreign lands, my faith would have been so high, I wouldn't have fleed. I would have fought. I'd be like, no, 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 my God. My God. No, we can take on anyone. Come on, bring it. But it says Joseph and Mary obeyed God and they embraced the uncertainty to become refugees in another country. Why? Because they chose to trust God. And a life of faith is embracing uncertainty. I say all that because this year has been so uncertain, hasn't it? It's been so uncertain. And when I read this Bible, it's more than just a cute Christmas story with Bing Crosby singing in the background or Michael Bubble, Bublé. It's more than just Christmas lights and, 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 and the feeling of, uh, of Christmas. It's actually a story of uncertainty. And over and over, men and women embraced a life of uncertainty because that is a life of faith. Speaks to the time that we're in. The Christmas story teaches us to embrace discomfort and embrace uncertainty. Uncertainty is the breeding ground of miracles. I I, I wrote that thought down this week and something jumped inside of me that uncertainty is the breeding ground of miracles. We say things like we want miracles. We pray for miracles, for healing, for physical needs, financial needs, relationship needs. But uncertainty, listen, if you're comfortable and certain, you don't need God. You don't need a miracle. But when you're uncertain, you don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to make it. That uncertainty, you are ripe and in a breeding ground for God to do a miracle in your life. We've seen miracles this year as a church seen miracles personally, seeing God step in and show up. Why? Because the more uncertain it is, oh, the more you're a candidate for God to do a miracle in your life. This uncertain Christmas, we're in the perfect place for God to do a miracle in our city, in your life and in my life. God uses uncertainty. What did the main characters in the Christmas story do in uncertain times? They didn't vent. Some of you on Facebook, I see you venting. They didn't complain. They didn't turn to alcohol or addictions or distraction. In uncertain times, these men and women of faith, simple people, salt of the earth people, they leaned in to the certainty of God. In uncertain times, they leaned in and said, my God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with this. But if you're in it, I'm with it. And in uncertain times, they leaned into a certain God, it speaks to me in this season that we're in. It speaks to me. Nothing builds faith like uncertainty. People always say these things like, I want more faith. Yeah? You can only get faith with uncertainty. If you know what's going to happen, you don't need faith. Faith only comes when you can't see it, you don't know it, you don't know how it's going to end. The more uncertain, the more faith you need. You want to grow your faith? It's to embrace a life of uncertainty. The more faith, I have more faith than ever in our church because of this year. Can I just share a confession? These are my confessions. As a pastor, early in this year, I didn't know how strong our church was. Me and Nancy, we we like our church, we love our church, but we didn't know how strong our church was. As uncertainty came in, I thought, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have a church in 10 months. And as this year has gone on, I have more faith in our church than I have ever had and more faith in God because of the uncertainty of this year. I do. James 1, verses 2 and 4, says it this way. Let me read it for you. 
It says in James, it says this, two to four. It says, dear brothers, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity, great joy. The author's pushing it there. When trials come your when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. Why? For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, the author knew what the Christmas story knew, what Mary and Joseph knew. What we need to learn is that uncertainty grows your faith. I think the real tragedy of 2020 would be to end the year just the same level of strength when you started the year. What a tragedy to end this year no stronger than when you started it. In this year of uncertainty, the Bible says troubles, it grows your endurance, it grows your faith. I believe we can end this year stronger in our faith as a church, in relationships, as individuals. I believe we can grow this year. What a tragedy to end this year feeling weak in your faith, weak in your spirit, weak in your relationship with God because uncertainty can grow your faith. In these uncertain times, I am more certain of my faith, more certain for my need for God, and more certain of his love for me. I'm so certain in these uncertain times that God is for us. Let me read for you Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope. I need to pause right there. Strengthens our confident hope. If there's anything we need in this season, if there's anything we're going to need going into January, it's more hope. Get your hopes up, church. It says that... uh, As endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Uncertainty grows hope. Trial grows endurance. Endurance grows divine hope. Why did Mary and Joseph need endurance? Because it wasn't about birthing a baby. They were to raise a savior. See, Mary and Joseph didn't need to go through trials to build their endurance just to deliver a baby. They needed endurance to raise a savior. Uh, We have so many kids being born over quarantine. Something happened during this social isolation and distancing from others. I don't know what happened in all this, just staying home. I know what happened. But we have all these babies being born and people announcing it, all this stuff happening. And I love seeing people and they're excited in the baby showers and the expectancy. And I'm just like, yeah, but you know when you give birth, that's when it starts. It doesn't end, right? Because you don't need endurance so much to give birth because that's when it starts. I never forget when we had our kids, man, Josh, when he was born. It's like this big build up to this moment, right? And Nancy's a champ and the pain of a few hours and carrying a baby and all that work. And then the baby comes out and we're celebrating and we're naming the baby and all these moments. And then a few days later, they're like, okay, you can go. I'm like, what do you mean we can go? Like, you can just go. 
take your car seat and go. I remember getting into the elevator and the door closing as the nurse was waving goodbye. I remember thinking, we are so alone and we have no idea what we're doing right now. Why? Because you don't need endurance so much to give birth. You need endurance to raise a kid. Mary and Joseph were responsible not just for giving birth to a baby, but God said, I want these people who have embraced uncertainty to not only give birth, but to raise this man that would be a savior. Here's a thought I had for us as a church. Listen to me. What if in 2020, God in this uncertain times, as we've embraced it, what if God wanted to grow our endurance, not to get through a year, but to launch us into a year? The Bible says that as you endure, your character grows. As your character grows, so does your expectant hope. What if God wanted to grow us, to prepare us, to lead in this next season as a church? What if he wanted you in your business, in your home, to grow you this year so you can lead in the next? Because Mary and Joseph embraced the uncertainty of these years, giving birth, becoming refugees, coming back, raising Jesus uh, hidden for 30 years to launch him into leading the greatest rescue mission of eternity. What if God wants to use this year to prepare you, prepare me, to prepare us, to lead us into this next season? I'll be honest, as I'm finishing this year, I've been feeling done. Not done done, like quit a job done, but just done. Done with emails, done with Zoom calls, done with pivoting, done with navigating, done with creating. I'm just done. I just, I feel done. I keep saying I'm just done. Just, just done. Maybe you felt that way. And even as I was reading this this week and preparing, I couldn't help but think, what if God, what if God is wanting to grow endurance in me as a leader, in our worship team, in our production, in our kids' ministry, in our greeters, in our marriages, those that are single in their singleness, what in our finances, what if our faith needs to grow in endurance and our expectant hope expand because God's not just making us survive a year, but he wants to lead us to thriving in a year to help our city. Church, I feel positioned as a church to help our city this coming year. This thing's not gonna turn around because the calendar goes from December to January. I believe God is setting us up even this month to lead with other leaders in the city, to help our city, not to build our platform, not to build our name, but to actually be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus going, get your hopes up, get your head up. God is doing something and our hope is expected because God will not disappoint. The kind of faith and hope that comes from embracing a life of uncertainty because as we embrace the troubles and the trials, our endurance grows. And as our endurance grows, our faith grows. And as our faith grows, our hope grows. And as our hope grows, our confidence grows. I believe God wants to grow you. And as we finish this year, that we are stronger than when we started. And what tried to kill us in March, April, and May will be the very thing that will launch us into January, February, and March. That's why our, our 21 days of prayer is going to be themed, get your hopes up. Why? We're unashamedly saying, no, no, get your hopes up. Economy can do what it wants. Pandemics can do what it wants. Vaccines or no vaccines can do what it wants. But our hope, our expected hope is in a savior that will not disappoint. Why? Because we've been through some trials and we've strengthened our faith. And a life of faith is embracing the uncertainty. I want to encourage you today. Get your hopes up. A child was born 
but a God must be chosen. We refuse to choose the God of comfort. Comfort is not my God. My God is not comfort. My God is a savior born in a manger, raised in obscurity, killed on a cross, raised from the dead, and seated in heavenly places. My God is not comfort. My God is not an economy. My God is not a paycheck or a pandemic or a vaccine. My God is the God that made me and raised me and saved me. And he is building expectancy in my life that will lead me into this coming year. Church, in these uncertain times, it's the breeding ground for miracles. As we build our endurance, our faith grows. Get our hopes up today. God wants to do something. Uncertainty is up, but so is our faith. Get your hopes up today. My God, so I'll supply all my needs according to his riches and goodness. God's plan is so good. He's positioned us as churches. He's positioned you as people to lead in this season. Why? Because we're leaving this year stronger because we've embraced a life of uncertainty because it's a life of faith. You feel uncertain today? It's a breeding ground for a miracle in your life. When God's all you have, he's all you need. Today as we close this service, the last live service of 2020, I want to again challenge you to not fear the unknown and uncertainty. If we believe this Bible is true, it means God is with us. Is it more than just a book? Is it more than just a prayer? Is it more than just a live stream? Is there a relationship with God that you have? If you do, lean into it. Don't run from it. Mary was uncomfortable. Joseph wanted to walk away. The wise men thought it's too far to go. But they said, no, no, if God's in it, I'm with it. And my God, if he's in it, I'm going. And they embraced the discomfort because a life of faith is one of uncertainty. We're going into a year that's uncertain. We gather as a team and we said, let's get a plan for the new year. We sat around a table just this week and go, okay, what's plan A? Plan B, A is we go back if the restrictions lighten on this date. What's plan B? Well, if they, if they slow down the restrictions and move it to this, then this will be our plan B. And what's plan C? Well, plan C is we'll just do this. Can I tell you what our plan is for 2021? I want you to lean in. This is really good. This is our plan moving forward. We don't have a clue. Off camera, my wife is laughing right now. We don't know what we're doing. Pass it on. But here's what we know. That a life of faith is not running from adversity. It's not dealing with uncertainty, sipping alcohol at night, tuning into movies to, to escape, walking out on your marriage. It's not panicking and running around the skies falling and ranting on social media. It's leaning into, my God, what are you saying and what are you doing? And if you're in it, I'm with it. My God, lead me. We're not perfect, but as a church, we're saying, God, what are you doing? And we'll follow. If you have that God, if you're a follower of Jesus, embrace the uncertainty. But today if you say, Mike, I don't know that Jesus. I don't know God. I know church. I know uncertainty. I know troubles. I know religion. I know some of this book, and I know, I know hymns and stained glass windows, and I know structure, but I don't know God. You can know God today, and you can grow. It's like anything. It can grow in your life. And you, A month from now, you'll be stronger than you were when you started today, but you can start your relationship with God right now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, which is saying, you're my God. I choose you. A child was born. 
but I choose a savior. And believe in your heart that the God that made you is the God that wants to save you. A miracle happens and you start this relationship. And then he'll help you build endurance and faith and hope. And like anything, it grows. Today, if you want to start that relationship, I would be honored to help introduce you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head just wherever you are at work on break or if you're at home or maybe you're sitting in your car or wherever you are. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to just start that relationship. And then he'll take it from there. He'll start speaking to you and growing as you read his word and keep attending church online or in person. It'll encourage you and build endurance in these uncertain times. If you want me to pray for you, just bow your head and let's pray together. God, I thank you for this Sunday morning, for those tuning in, even those that are watching later on in the week. God, in these uncertain times, we confess with our mouth, we believe that you are certainly God. And God, there is this voidness, this vacuum that nothing else satisfies. And God, we know that we were made for more. We were made for you. So I'm asking right now that you would reach through the screen, reach through pain and despair and regret, reach through uncertainty and distance, And would you rush in right now, Holy Spirit, and would you just make them aware of your goodness and your closeness? Jesus, we choose you today. Forgive us for our distance. Forgive us for doing it on our own. And would you just meet us where we are? Would you start a relationship with us? Would you forgive our past? And would you take hold of our present? And would you lead us into our future? We need you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, will you say amen? Amen. I believe we're positioned as we have no idea what we're doing in 2021. We don't know what's going to happen January 1st. We don't know what this year is going to bring. But we know the God who knows. We know a God that is certain in uncertain times. And as we embrace a life of faith, my God, so help us and lead us. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And we can't wait to see you in a few days for our Christmas Eve service. God bless you and have a great week.